Father, we, we uh, and I have been praying for him, and I'm sure those that have asked have been. Father, we, we love our brother Tookie, and, and he's going to be going to the doctor this week, and he, he seeks you first, God, for his healing, Lord. And I so appreciate that. I know that you honor that, Lord God, because that's yes. what your word says, that uh, if, if any of us are sick, Lord, to seek you yes. for our healing. And Lord, I'm, I'm asking you to touch his body, Father, and make him whole. Both him and his wife, Lord God, have yes. suffered some affliction in their bodies, Father, and I'm asking you to touch them both, Lord, yes. to heal them, God, to, to go to the doctor. If he goes to the doctor, Lord, to just be all taken care of. Yes. Uh, even if he goes, the doctor just sends him home with nothing, God, because it, uh, you've healed it, Lord. Yes. So we thank you, Lord Jesus, that we have this, this opportunity and we have the benefit, God, of coming to you and asking. You said we have not because we ask not, so we're yes. asking. Yes. And we have the benefit, Lord, of thanking you, believing that we receive it yes. for our brother. So we intercede in Tuki's behalf, Lord, concerning this sickness, God, that you would heal him, make him whole, and bless our brother, yes. bless everyone here in Jesus Christ's name. Thank you, Lord. I have a prayer request. Okay. Hey, this is Princess. Hi. Um, my prayer request would just um, the fact that I continue to like understand you. How much, like, understand how much God's love, and if I can, like, God can give me a divine relation so that I can understand His word clearly and, like, we need to understand Him more. Hmm? I know. I didn't understand. Did you understand what she asked for? Did you hear? Okay. Uh, Sergio, do you understand? She basically says she needs prayer to, for God to be able to. To, to reveal the word to her so that she can understand it permanently. Okay, she wants a better understanding Correct. of God's word. Correct. Okay. That's a good prayer. Yeah, that's good. Uh, that, that's Princess, right? Correct. Princess, it's good to have you with us tonight, and that's a good request. The, the, the scripture says that in John 14, 23, that when the Holy Spirit comes on a person, uh, it, it says that he will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. So it's the Holy Spirit's job to teach us uh, and to bring those things to uh, to to uh, in our lives, but the important thing is is that is that uh, a person comes to a full repentance and a full place of salvation in Christ, so that they can receive the Holy Spirit, and and the Holy Spirit can teach them and bring those scriptures to their remembrance, so that they can they can move in that. So um, we we uh, that's the main thing that you want to do is make sure that everything is right in your heart, that you've come to that place, and uh, as you look at the Word. The scripture talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. You may want to read it sometime that in the Old Testament, uh, there was a glory of looking on Moses' face. But when you come into the New Testament and the new covenant with Christ, he removes the veil that was on our eyes. Like there was a veil there. And when we used to look at the word of God, it looked far and it looked like we couldn't understand it. But then all of a sudden, it, when that veil is removed, then, then you're able to understand, you're able to see the word for what it's really saying and what a blessing that is. And that's the promise of God. So, Father, we ask that you, you help Princess God. You said it's the goodness of God to lead a person to repentance, Lord, and that you'll help her in, in that walk in, in you, Jesus, uh, that, that you bring her to that full place in you, God, and that you'll fill her with your Holy Spirit, Lord, as she asks for the Holy Spirit. You said if we ask for it, Lord, that you would give it to us, Lord. And you said, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, yes. knock and it shall be uh, uh, given unto you. For Lord, you said, if if a person being in his, e back when he was evil, yes. 
if he asked, if he asked for a piece of bread, if, you, if your son asked for a piece of bread, would you give him a, a stone? If he asked for an egg, would you give him a serpent? Yes. Uh, so we being evil, you said in past, uh, know how to give good gifts to our own children. How much more will you give the Holy Ghost to them that ask him? Yes. So you want to ask him for the Holy Ghost. That's a good request, and he will give it to you, Princess. Yes. So that's that's good. That's good. Good request. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. Okay, I got three three objects that we want to talk about tonight. We have our continuation, and uh, we finished the book of James last week on the fifth chapter, and we're going to. Uh, I'd like to start if we can on First Peter chapter one. But before we do that, uh, I want to confront those two th questions and two things that we talked about previously. Um, I want us to go, and I want us to with open hearts and open mind. We want to. The, the script, the Word of God, is our authority. Uh, we do have other authorities in our life. We have those that are elders that are authorities in your life as long as they're walking in Christ. Uh, we have uh, rulers that we submit to as authorities in our life, those who, have, who are you know, in high, high forces and areas of governments that we submit to. Uh, but the Word of God in our life as a Christian is the ultimate of what we submit to. So when we read the Word of God, we want to say, hey, you know what? That's what the Word of God says. It doesn't matter what I felt. It doesn't matter what my opinion was in the past. I'm going to go with what God's word says, and as simplistic as it possibly is. Um, I want to turn, um, if you would, to the book of Timothy. Which one? I'm going to tell you in just a minute. <laughs> oh, okay. I want to turn to 1 Timothy. How about that? First Timothy chapter 2. This is a subject that um, has been, it's, it's a little, um, how can I say this, in a, I want to be as, as graceful as I can with this, uh, this is a subject that has, has, has been, I think, overlooked a lot, don't want to be talked to, to about, um, I think because of being, thinking that we'll, maybe it will offend a woman or a man or someone else, that it could be offensive. Well, well the scripture is offensive, we have to submit ourselves to the Word of God, to what it says, and um, we, if, if you see something different in the Word of God, then we want to we want to look at that. But we want to be submissive to the Word of God, right, Marion? That's that's our authority. So we're going to look at the Word of God, and we're going to make a determination from what God's Word says, not what anybody's opinion is. Okay? Let's do that. Let's go to First Tim First Timothy chapter two, and um, we'll start at verse uh, verse seven. Paul says, it's right to Timothy, where, where, where to I, I'm ordained a preacher, an apostle, I speak the truth in Christ and I don't lie, a teacher of the Gentiles and the pagans in faith and verity. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands with wrath, without wrath and doubting. That's a good scripture right there, but that's not what the subject we do. But it's, it's good to lift your hands up to the Lord. Why is it good to lift up your hands to the Lord? The Bible says to do it, number one. Number two things, it's a sign of surrender. Of a total surrender to the Lord. Please come put a gun to your back. First thing you're going to do is lift your hands up, right? <laughs> right? Jacob knows all about that. That's what he does. <laughs> uh, but, but it's a sign of surrender and, and, and holy worship to the Lord. We lift up holy hands. The scripture says in chapter 13 of Hebrews, giving a sacrifice of praise unto the Lord. It says, in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broiding hair or gold or pearls or costly array, which becometh women, professing godliness with, with good works. 
Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. But I, su I, I suffer not the woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was within transgression, notwithstanding she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with sobriety. Now, a lot of people read that and, they get, and, and some women get offended by it, but that's, that is God's order. It's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's just the order of God. He, um, he, he, he chose it in Genesis chapter 3. If you go back and you read about the, the, uh, the sin of Adam and Eve, uh, and he pronounced judgment upon each one of them, and one of the judgments was the woman. Uh, she used to suffer through childbearing. You know, man doesn't suffer through childbearing. Um, her desire would be to rule over man, but the man, but the Lord said the man was to have the final rule, was to be the authority. Some people shun and call you chauvinistic, call you all these things. It's not about being that. It's about submitting to God's word and just saying, hey, this is the order God has it. God has with that. You've got two people in a household, and they both trying to take, to be the authority and the final word. You've got some real problems. You know, but um, I know in, with my wife and I, we have a wonderful relationship. Um, she is very submissive to me. I'm very, I feel like I'm very loving to her. I hear her out. I hear what she has to say. I consider what she has to say. And most of the time I do what she has to say because it's a good thing. Um, but, you know, some things are just not worth it. But, but that's the order that God has. I know Wesley's already there. <laughs> Come on in and help me, Wesley. <laughs> Go ahead. What you got, Wes? If we go to Titus chapter 2, I think this is a good passage also to add to it. Can you hear me? Yeah, one second, Wesley. Wait one second. I want to lower you just a bit. We're getting a little muffle, a little bit of a muffled sound. Let's see if I can do this. Okay, now, talk to me. Can you hear me okay now? Just, it's just, I think that last week was the same thing. I think your mic is getting muffled, I think. Oh, hold on one second. Just um, come back to me. Is it loud enough for you guys? Wesley, we can hear you. It's just you're not clear on your end. He's trying to fix it, I think. It's something to do with his mic. It's, 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 when talk yeah, with it's in the aspect of as if you're too close to your mic. That's what I was thinking. If he's too close to it. If he gets further away, I'm going to have to turn it up then. <laughs> Coming back, Wes? Yeah, he told us to get back to him. I guess he's going okay. to check on it. All right. Let's let's hear some comment on this scripture, and then we're going to go to some other scriptures with that. Anybody have comment on that? Thank you, Wes. It's pretty, I, I mean, it's pretty clear cut, pretty plain. But, um, you know, like I was talking about with, with Jill and I's relationship as a husband and wife, um, let's talk about that a little bit. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. And we'll start at um, at verse twenty one. Ephesians five twenty one. Here's the verse uh, verse twenty one. Um, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. So we we submit ourselves one to to each other, right? I mean we. You know, we, we esteem others higher than ourselves. We, we want to honor one another. We want to prefer one another. That's what the scripture says. So in that way, we submit to one another. But then, he, but then he distinguishes, he brings out wives. 
submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord. And that's pretty strong. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the body is subject to subject unto Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Everything paternal life. And the only time it's not to be is when he goes against the word of God. Yeah. You know, if they're going against the word of God, tell the, the husband says, I want you to do this, and it's, it's, and it's sin, then you don't do that. Right. But everything else he says to do that. Right. Okay, then husbands, here's that point. You know, he doesn't say the wives will love their husbands. Because the wife normally loves their husband. Oh, yeah. But the husbands sometimes are not showing love to their wives. So right. he says, husbands, love your wives. Mm -hmm. Even as Christ also loved the church and he gave himself for it. Mm -hmm. So he's given up his own life for his wife. Yeah. You know, in that term. So, you know, it, it's kind of, it's twofold in that way. Mm -hmm. But you can't get where in a marriage, I know not, in, in, in a marriage you can't uh, say, well, I'm not going to submit because he's not loving me. Or I'm not going to love her because she's not submitting to me. You always do your part of what the scripture says. Don't worry about what the other person is doing. You do what your part is. He says, um, so, so the Lord says, husbands love your wives, even as Christ loved the church. What did he do for the church? He gave his life for the church. So what does the husband do? He gives his life for his wife. So, you know, now that you've been thinking about getting married, like, this works just perfect for you, right? I'm listening. Okay, <laughs> that uh, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water of the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having a spot or wrinkle, but that it should be holy without blame. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. Amen. He takes care of his body, cleans his body, he, he nourishes his body, so he wants to take care of his wife the same way. That's he wants right. to love her, he wants to nourish her, he wants to make sure she's got all her needs met. Everything that she may need. Right. Uh, so he loves his wife even as he loves himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourishes it, cherishes it, even as the Lord the church. What a blessing. So he does that with his wife. For we are members of the body of his flesh and his bone. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined into his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of us of you in particular, so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. That's pretty clear also, right? Anybody have any questions on that or comments? The, uh, God is the head of, of the husband, the husband the head of the wife. We can go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We'll go there in a minute, too. Right. Okay. Um, back west, go ahead. Yeah, can you hear me a little better now? Okay, um, I was just going to go to Titus chapter 2. I thought this is... Titus chapter good, 2, he said. Yeah, Titus chapter 2. It says, uh, verse 1, But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, that older men... Hold on just a second, Wes. Hold on just a second. What? Can we turn it down just a second? Turn more? it down some more? Yes, sir. What, what verse are you starting with, Wes? Verse 1. Verse 1? Okay. I'm verse 2 now. Let's start back over at verse 1, if you don't mind. Sure. Okay, talk now. Okay, uh, verse okay. 1. But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. So this is... Uh, 
Paul writing to Titus in regards to sound doctrine. Verse 2, that older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience. The older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, behavior, not slanderers, not given too much wine, teachers of good things, that they may admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. So kind of goes along with Ephesians chapter 5, like you're saying, uh, there's a role for the woman, and they do have their spot there to teach the younger women or to teach other women at that. And so it's not that they don't have any place of authority. They just, there's just a, um, a way in which God set it up. We see that in the New Testament, he um, called 12 apostles. There were no apostolettes uh, that I know of uh, that he called. So I think that there's an order there, and he, he did that you know, by divine um, being inspired by, you know, doing the will of the Father and yielding to the will of the Father. And uh, he prayed, you know, Scripture says that he prayed to choose, you know, the, the 12 apostles, and they were all men for a reason, I believe. Uh, and obviously these Scriptures bring that out as well. But the, but the women are to love their husbands and to teach the younger women to love their husbands. And the husband, like what Don said, is to love the wife like Christ loved the church. I mean, that's a, that's a huge uh, command for the husband as well. But whenever you're, you're probably going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, but that was another thing that I thought of another passage, but that's really what I wanted to add. Here, a lot of times, and I welcome it 
in that we, uh, uh, the women here have a, have a burden, they have a question, they have something like and I think that's perfectly okay. It's, it's just uh, what, what the scripture is saying that um, he's saying it because God says a woman is not to usurp authority over a man. Right. You know, that the woman is to be in a submissive yeah. attitude uh, and, and so forth. Today what we have is we have women that are called pastors, uh, women that are called preachers, uh, women that are called elders, just like the men. There's no difference. Uh, there is a difference in the scriptures, however, and that's what we have to look at. I know, Ephesians 5. Uh, in the scriptures, it talks about chapter 3 of 1 Timothy 3. It gives the requirement. Chapter 3. Chapter 3, 1 Timothy, the next chapter. We did 1 Timothy chapter 2, and it goes right into, coincidentally, which is not a coincidence, it goes right into uh, what is the requirements for an elder, somebody that is in a position to minister to the whole church. So he says, this is the requirements. He says, if a man desires the office of a bishop, he desires a good thing. Two things to note there. I, I know that in Galatians chapter 4 it says there's neither male nor female, neither Scythian nor, nor Jew nor Gentile, that we're all one in Christ Jesus. And what that means is that as for salvation or anything, that God doesn't look at color, he doesn't look at nationality, he doesn't look whether you're male or you're female. All the promises of God are for all of us. And that's what he's talking about in context there. But here he is defining what, uh, what is the requirements for a pastor or an elder or somebody in, in that particular type of leadership. And the first thing he does, he says, if a man desires the office of a bishop, he desires a good thing. So it's a good thing to desire that for a man. You say, well, maybe he's just speaking in general as a man, because he does that quite often. But let's go further and let's identify what he's saying by the scriptures. Okay, here's the requirements. Verse 2. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, like he's not married back then. Some people were married to more than one wife. We know that we're reading the Old Testament. Vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt and ready to preach. So the requirements are quite stiff there. You know, first of all, we got preachers that men preachers that are not shouldn't be preachers. Because they got men preachers that say, hey, I sin every day. Well then you're not blameless. You don't meet the requirements of a bishop. You don't read the bishop simply means one who is in bishopric, which means an elder, a, a pastor, or somebody that's in that eldership authority that is dictating over the people to be able to share, share with them the word of God and, and to, to guide them in truth and speak to them. He says he's not to be given to wine, no striker, not greedy or, filth, or, 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 or a filthy looter, not greedy of money, not a drinker, but he's to be patient, not a brawler, not covetous of wanting all with this world, and not, not loving the world. One that rules well his own house. If he can't rule his own house well, and his own children are not in subjection with, with all gravity, he doesn't have any business trying to, trying to see over the body of Christ. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God here? Not a novice. In other words, it needs to be, it has to be a person that has been in the Lord for a while and has walked blamelessly, unless he falls into condemnation because he's, he needs to be proved before you put him into a position of that. It says, um, for, for moreover, he must be a, he must be a, have a good report of them which are, are outside, lest he fall in, in the reproach and the snare of the devil. Now, I want to ask you this. Okay, we read some of these things here, and I want to go back 
And I want to look at verse 2 that we started at. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife. How could a woman fit that position? Tell me. No. Can't be right because ain't no way a woman can be a husband can be the husband of a wife, right? I mean, some today they have that, but that's that's not the right way. You I see. evangelize. I don't. I don't. You know. Well, this is elders. This is elders. Okay. But 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 here is the requirement for somebody that's going to stand in front and going to teach or minister in a position of authority, in a position of being have authority over the men that are in that congregation. We read here that the requirement of that is is that it's a, it has to be a man because he had, and I'm, it's not chauvinistic. I'm just reading the scripture. It says because a woman doesn't fit the description of being a husband of one wife, and he said that's part of the description of, of being that. So we want to just submit ourselves to the Word of God. Uh, it's one that rule well in his own house. What about if he called you, Pastor? What? What about if the Lord calls you? To do well, he's not going to call. Differently than what the scripture says. The Lord does never cross his word. His word is the authority. Look, it's like this, Marianne. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 and 16 says, All scripture is given to us and is God breathed by God. And, it's, and he says, He gives us that so that he can minister correction and training in righteousness that the man of God will be early furnished and equipped to every good work. So the word of God is the only way you can correct somebody. Now, somebody can say, Hey, I'm called, but I have to see it in the scripture. Because he said, or else I can't correct the person. Because the only way you can correct the person is, is with the Word of God. So a lot of people say, well, you know, I don't really pay attention to the Word of God. I just feel like I'm called. That's not, that's not scriptural. Because the scripture says that, that that's why we're given the Word of God. To be used for correction, for, for exhortation, for encouragement. So, so you, have, you have to be able to correct it with the Word of God. And I can't find in the scriptures, if you can find it, I'd love to see it. Because I, I can't find in the scripture where a woman is a pastor or in a position of that authority. I'm reading here, and I'm also going to go to uh, the book of uh, Titus chapter 1, where, where, where Paul is writing to Titus there and telling him to ordain elders also. And then uh, we'll go back over there. Let's, let's go to Titus real quick. It's just a couple of books over. It's right after 2 Timothy chapter 1 of Titus. He says here, uh, he says in verse 5 to Titus, he says, For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. If any be blameless, again, the husband of one wife. So he's saying, I want you to ordain these elders, but the first requirement, one of the first requirements is they have to be the husband of one wife. How is a woman going to fit that description? That's the thing. How does a woman fit the scripture? Tell me if, if, if this is wrong. But that's what the scripture says. He says, Then he may be blameless, other than one, one wife, having faithful children, not accused of right or unruly. For a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not selfish, not soon angry, not giving to wine, no striker, no giving to, to filthy communication, but a lover of hospitality, lover of good men, sober, just, holy, tempered, holding fast the faithful word of God that he be taught. That he may be able by, by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision whose mouth must be stopped, teaching things out of order for money's sake. So I'm, I'm seeing here that I, I see a pattern in the Word of God that is telling me from what I'm reading, and I, I, I've gone to 
pastors, and I've gone to them and I've, that have ordained women as pastors. I says, how do you do that? Show me in the scripture. Because my Bible says that you're not to do that. My Bible gives me the requirements of what a pastor and elder is, and yet you're, you're ignoring that. You know, most of them say, well, we live in a different culture. Well, that doesn't matter. You can say that about any scripture and do away with that. I'm, I'm going to be held for what the Word of God says. You see, and if I don't teach the Word of God the way it says it, I'm going to go. I'm going to stay in a judgment. For greater, greater judgment will be they that speak the Word of God. Be, that's why it says, "Be not many teachers." So I'd rather play it safe and stay within the borders of what the Word of God says than play favors or try to make whether male, female, or anybody feel good. I'm not here to make people feel good. I'm here to preach the Word. Could you explain the difference between? <laughs> Can I? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, this is princess. Yeah, go ahead, princess. Go ahead. Yes, this is princess. Uh, so I, I understand the fact that that you said that women can like be a pastor because I mean I see it in the Bible and I'm not gonna lie, I'm a little bit shocked. This is the first time I heard that. But I used to hear a lot of people say that uh, Deborah in the Old Testament, um, God was able to use her. So people like to use that verse as a sign that. We women can still lead. Absolutely. Yes, the Lord certainly uses women. Absolutely. We have in the Old Testament and the New Testament where women pro uh, prophesied. Uh, they had daughters that prophesied that they were used mm. with their husbands in ministry. Absolutely. All those things are fine. Stop. But what we're talking about where a woman is to, to exercise a, 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 in, a, in a leadership with men there as, a, as in a position of authority over, over the man that scripture says, don't do that. So we can lead, but we co-lead, is that what you're saying? Co-lead. Co is that what you're saying? As a husband and wife, uh, yes, because the, because a lot of times, you know, we, you know, people would have something that the women would, would have all women, and they would preach to the women and share with the women and teach the women. That's what Don brought out in Titus chapter 1, that the women are to teach the younger women. You know, uh, I mean, uh, Wes brought out. The women are to teach Titus the younger two. women. You did too. Yeah, Titus, Titus chapter Titus two. two. Yeah, so so absolutely, so, the women need the older women to step up and help them. And we count on you, Marianne, to help other women. You know, as we have more women in the fellowship, to, to be able to counsel and help these younger women, like Princess, who is just coming with us. You know, to be able to help you, Princess, for you to go to the to one of the older women, like Marianne or like uh, my wife Jill, or one of them. So they can help you to walk and, and, and share with you the gospel to uh, encourage you in how to live as a woman, a godly woman in Christ. So people like Beth Moore and Jasmine, are they like a false position? Because to me, they seem to be on the forefront and the husband seems to be behind the scenes. Say, repeat what she's saying. <clears throat> she's referring, <coughs> excuse me. <laughs> she talks better than you. <laughs> She's, she's referring to Beth Moore. She said, is she coming from a false position? Mm -hmm. Who? Beth Moore, whoever that is. I, I don't know who Beth Moore is, but. Uh, okay, Joyce Meyer? What about Joyce Meyer? Joyce Myers. Okay, yes, yes. So, people like that, there's like, they're in the forefront, right? And their husband seems to be behind the scenes. Are they in a false position? If, if they're in a position of, of calling themselves a pastor and they are ministering just like a man does to all of the churches and taking that position of authority, then according to what the Word of God says that we read tonight, 
they are in a they, they are going against what the word of God says. Yeah. They should not do that. They should leave that to the man. So that's, I, that's God's so order. That's, God, that's, that's God's order, Princess. That's not my order or anybody's order. That's the way the oh. scripture says it. Oh, no, I'm not against it. I support it. I'm just trying to understand no, 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 and like I, wrap I, my head yes, around it. Yes, I it's my first time hearing this. That's why. Yes, that's good. That's good. I, I appreciate you asking. As a matter of fact, no Wesley problem. wants to make a comment to you also, Princess. Go ahead, Wesley. Yeah, Beth Moore, Joyce Myers, anybody that is in a position of authority and we're supposed to be submitted to the Word of God as our final authority, then it, like what Don says, it's not my opinion. It's not Don's opinion. It's not anybody's opinion. It's what does the scripture say? And let's just obey God accordingly. Um, so if Beth Moore or Joyce Myers or any other woman at that, if they're up there and they know that there are men coming into their conference and they're teaching and usurping authority over them, um, then at that point, they need to step down or say, hey, you know what? This is a woman's conference. We are going according to the Bible, and we are teaching other women, and we are not going to go against the scriptures. We want to be obedient to them. This is not for men. And at that point, I think everybody would respect that. And, um, you know, we have Acts chapter 2. We obviously see on the day of Pentecost that, that Peter said, this is that which the prophet Joel had spoke. And he said, you know, standing up, he says, and it shall come to pass in the, in, in the last days that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Uh, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And uh, your old men shall see visions, or your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Um, and on my uh, men servants and on my maid servants. So women have a position, and that's the thing. We don't want to take that away. We want women to, you know, exercise their gift because we all have a place within the body of Christ. You know, and each joint supplies. Not everybody's a mouth. Not everybody's an eye. And, on, and, and to go along with this, the Bible says, let not all seek to be teachers, for we will receive a stricter judgment. So it's a, it should be a fearful thing. It's a fearful thing for me, I know. And I know it's a fearful thing for Don, I, I believe, you know, that it, I want to make sure that I don't go against the Bible and what it says. So let's just go to the word of God. And um, that's that's what I'm trying to do to the best of my ability. And uh, But at the same time, I don't want to take away the position that women have, it, that, are, that, that God says they have in the body of Christ. Thank you. Um, I think your dog is trying to pray in tongues, but um, it's okay. Uh, but uh, also we had a woman named Julie was it Julie? Julie Holland. I, I don't know if Julie is with us tonight, but uh, a little while, a couple of meetings ago, she came on and she and she says, "Listen, um, I'm, I did I, I didn't want to speak out. I want to be able to just I'm, I'm tell everybody hello, but um, I don't I don't go in and try to teach or minister to any men." She she made a point to say, and she said that if I have a question, I have certain people that I go to and I ask them, but I don't want to be a disobedient. Every woman, you go back and read that, is the man, and the head of every man is Christ. So if that man is not doing his wife right, then he's got the answer to God. Yeah. You know, so it really, you kind of, women can think, well, I don't want to be, in, and a lot of women say that, I've heard them say that, I don't want to be in the position of the man. 
Because he's going to have to answer for whatever, whatever way he treats me. He's going to have to answer for the decisions he makes for my family and for me. Amen. And he better make sure that he's making the right decision according to a godly, a godly decision and not reacting foolishly because he's accountable for me. Yes. You know, so that's the position. That's the way God made it. You know, so that's where we are. Man. I was asking, could you please explain the difference between no matter what the sex is, gender or male or female evangelist versus a pastor? Like, could you explain scripturally the difference between an evangelist and somebody who's pastor? Go to Ephesians chapter four. One thing saying that we, we are all called to evangelize. I mean, everybody's called to do that. Uh, there are gifts that he gives to the body of Christ. And speaking of here in Ephesians 4, it says, uh, verse 8, we'll start there. Well, verse 9, he says, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he says, When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now that he ascended, what is that? He also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heaven, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Evangelist is someone that goes out and evangelizes, goes out and ministers the gospel. He doesn't necessarily have a flock under him. He's not necessarily working in a pastoral sense. The pastor oversees a particular flock and watches over them, and prays for them, and administers to them, whereas an evangelist may go to different places in different countries and different different cities or, or downtown or wherever. You you all, every one of us in here should be doing evangelistic work. Right. But, but the gift right. of evangelism is where he actually, he's full-time, he's doing an evangelist. First was Paul. Paul was an evangelist. He was going all over and ministering the gospel and building churches. Then would leave and go back and edify and build them up. So that was the ministry of an evangelist versus a pastor. Could a woman play that role? With women, absolutely. If she's speaking to women. Again, that, that's right. the thing. She can't be in a position of authority over men. Uh, when, you, uh, when you're speaking before a crowd, before a congregation of men and women, it should always be a man. She's speaking, she's speaking in a position before women, and she's a woman, and she's teaching the young women and the other women there. Absolutely, that's 100% according to the Word of God. But when you are, are, have a congregation or a group of people with men and women, she is standing in a position of authority. And that's where the, you got the problem. The woman is not to usurp authority over a man. Uh, yeah, just, uh, Can a person... Um... Go ahead, Don. Uh, just for information's sake, uh, Beth Moore does minister to strictly women. Okay. She's not like Joyce Myers. Uh, she, her ministry in Houston is geared strictly toward women. Yeah. And that's who well, she, I don't even know who she is. A man might yeah. sit in and listen every yeah. once in a while. But yeah, yeah. yeah. And, that, and that's different. He just wants to sit in. But he's, yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay, go, okay, go, go ahead, uh, Princess. So, um, can a person have more than one gift? Because Paul was an evangelist and he's also called an apostle. So, is it possible to have more than like one um, gift? Yeah, the, the, the scripture doesn't uh, indicate that someone can only have one gift. Uh, I think somebody can have the gift of evangelism 
and also uh, the gift of being a pastor, you know, of, of doing both of those things, actually going out and evangelizing and actually pastoring a church. Uh, so absolutely. Um, Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of gifts. There's a gift of helps. There's a gift of, of faith. There's a gift of uh, of healings. There's a lot of different. You can have uh, the gift of healing and and um, and be a pastor and pray for people to get healed. And we do that here, you know. So uh, there's a lot of different. Uh, you can operate in a lot of different gifts. Absolutely, it doesn't require that you have only one gift. But he he gives these gifts. He says separately through the body by the same spirit. Yes. So so that the body can be edified by these gifts that are throughout the, throughout the body uh, and, and those things are and every gift is necessary it's it's not where if you think well man I don't have a big gift and maybe you have the gift that helps and you just like going to help people and that's your gift and then take joy in your gift because that's what God is using you in uh, and those things that seem less um, less honorable or actually more honorable the Lord says in the in first Corinthians chapter 12. This pastor, uh, during the time I, I was called, at, I did what about 30, 30 days of fast and no food, no nothing, just ice. And I would get on my knees for 12 hours every day and pray for the whole 12 hours. And I, I saw a whole lot of stuff, but at the end of my fast, uh, that's when the, I say the Lord, it was him, put me in something like a trance, in a deep sleep, right after I got off my knees. And he told me, uh, he said he had a little sheep in the right arm, he had a cane stick in the left hand. He said, I want you to go. He, no, first he told me, he said, fear not, look at me. But I couldn't stand to look at him because it's, it was just, he was just powerfully looking, his eyes. And he said, look at me. And when he said that the second time I looked at him, he said, I want you to go. Go in all the world, he said, and preach the gospel. And the little sheep turned into a white robe. And he threw it on me on the bed. He said, now go. Mm -hmm. Then after that, about four more days after that, I prayed and I told the Lord I didn't know what to tell the people. I said, Lord, I don't know what to tell the people. That's back in the 70s. Uh, I said, you have to give, teach me. And I said, give me the power. These are the words I said to him on my knees. And that was the, about the fourth day after he spoke to me. It was something like two big hands. He put me in a trance again. It was something like two great big hands that came through the bedroom walls, but the hands was the color of the, like a white cloud in the sky. And out of the finger, the, the hands, the fingers pointed toward me at my heart on the bed. And out of the fingers came something like electricity. And it felt like I, I could, then felt like I knew how to preach then. So I said, Lord, I said, that's too much power. I can't take all that. When I say that, immediately he left. The hands disappeared. Well, well there's, no, there's no doubt that the Lord uh, places special anointings on, on, on 
different one than, than all of us to an extent. Mm -hmm. And you were really seeking God. And he said, if you seek me with your whole heart, I'll be found. Mm -hmm. there, there, I'm not doubting in any, any essence, and please don't take it that way, oh, that, you're, that you're anointed by the Lord. You are. I, I know you are. That's why I ask you. I said, we really miss you when you're not here because oh. you have a special anointing on you, especially when it comes to uh, praise and worship in, in, in the Lord. You affect all of us, and oh. we, we love that about you. Yeah. And, and so when the Lord calls a person, it doesn't mean necessarily mean that he's calling you to go preach to many women. He may want you to go testify, which is nothing wrong with that. He may want you to go help the, the young women to see the truth. But one thing we know is that even if an angel comes and preach any other gospel than that which we see in these words, the Bible said, let him be cursed, because he comes forth even as an angel of light, the Bible says. So ultimately the bottom line is is the word of god that we read we must do that or else we have nothing then you have a you would have a bunch of just a bunch of people say well i i feel this i feel that and it would be chaos that's why paul said even in first corinthians 14 he said the prophet is subject to the prophecy that even when somebody even prophesied you have to weigh it out the bible says you have a discernment from god an unction from the holy one and you know all things you have to discern that you have to weigh it out according to the scriptures. The scripture is the testing of what we feel or we think that we receive. We test it by the word of God. And if it passes that test, then we go forward. You see? So I, I just want to, I want to share these things with all of us so that we have a correct balance in the Lord. You can, there's a pendulum. The Bible says in the book of, of Proverbs that a false balance is an abomination to the Lord. You can go way to one side and say, you know what? Women aren't to say anything. Women are not to have any part in the body. They're not to do anything. They're not to talk to the young. They're not to do anything. That's one side of the pendulum. The other side of the pendulum is where women just go forth. They preach to, just like a man does. They're just the same as equal as a man. They can have authority over the men. They can go, and that's where that is. Where you need to be in the middle of that pendulum. Where, you, where okay, there's a balance. And that balance is, okay, women, share, share, share the truth. Share the truth. When you evangelize it with us, a man or woman you evangelize it with, it doesn't matter what is that point. Mm -hmm. You share with a man just like you would a woman mm -hmm. because God has called you to evangelize to whoever. Right. When, you're, uh, when you're here with women and there's a women group, you, you, it's perfectly great to go speak to, to the women and share with the women you know, and help them to, to learn how to be a, a, good, a good wife and to learn how to be a great servant of God. Those things, you're, that's a great... There's, there's a lot of things that a woman needs to do. Right. Help the women. Show them how to raise their children to be godly children. Show them how to keep the home to be a godly home. I mean, the women are really have a have a, a great deal on them, even almost more so than the man. The man goes to work, he doesn't right. even, but the woman is the keeper of the home. She's got the responsibility of making sure those kids a lot of times are being raised to be godly children and to go forth. And you can be a lot of help. To help women do that, because because you you you're molding and you're crafting those children at a young age, mm -hmm. and and th that's such a responsibility for a woman and a ministry for the woman to be able to take care of that. So it's not like God has taken away anything from you. He's actually said, okay, you have enough with this. Mm -hmm. You need to take care of that and let the man handle this. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So is that is that is that pretty clear? Everybody understand? That's right. Hey, I'm grateful that you're part of this body. Yeah, you see. Yeah. Oh, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, does that cover that pretty Thank well? You. Any other questions or comments, anyone? Wes, you have anything to add to that, or any of you guys have something to add to it? Praise the Lord. We got through. Uh -huh. Okay, go ahead. 
Can I go ahead? Yes, ma'am. Can I go ahead? Yeah, go ahead, Princess. Um, um, how do you know like your spiritual gifts? Because I see sometimes that people have like brochures and they ask you questions. Like, so do you know the kind of gifts you have by your passions and your desires, or how? Go ahead, interpret for me. <laughs> okay, Sandra, did you, did you understand what she said? Oh, I, you want me to interpret? I'm sorry. Yeah. She said, so um, I'm, I'm looking at, she basically said, so uh, do we depict our gifts basically off of the desires and the passions that we have? Okay, for one thing, go, to, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I'll put you on just a second. Let me, let me give it this, Wes, and I'll give you an opportunity there. 1 Corinthians 14. Hey, Kelly, good to have you. Yeah, yeah, welcome, Kelly. Good to have you with us. First uh, Corinthians 14, verse 1. I think this might help you with that, Princess. It answers exactly what you said. It says, follow after love and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. So the scripture actually says to desire them. Why would you desire a spiritual gift? Anybody want to answer that question for me? Somebody? Answer that question for me. Why would you want to desire? Why would you desire spiritual gift? Because the Bible says to. No, that's a good point. But, we're, but give me another reason for the heart. Why would you want a spiritual gift? Uh, reassurance that, that uh, God and Jesus Christ is happy with you. Okay, that's one thing. Give me, another, give me another one, somebody. Evidence. What? Evidence. Evidence. Yeah. Okay. Evidence. Yeah. Does God work with you? But you know what the real reason is why you desire spiritual gift? To help the body. To help somebody else. Don't you want to have the gift of healing that if you lay hands on people they get healed? And you can bless people with the gift of healing? Yeah. I mean, do you want to desire these gifts? Don't you want to have the gift of being a, a pastor or teacher, evangelist, whatever? He says he, did, he did desires the spiritual office, desires a good thing. Why? So he can help people. Yeah. It's all about helping somebody else. Mm -hmm. You see? And that's why you want to desire spiritual gifts so that you can help somebody else to get through whatever they're going through. I'm so thankful that Don has the gift of helps. When my when I'm roots start when things start leaking around here, Don's right here. He's got his hammer and thing. He's helping me to get that done. He spent all day yesterday helping me over here fixing a, a water leak. Uh, so so a gift to help. He's got such a gift. I I couldn't knock all the holes in the sheetrock right here trying to find that leak. But anyway, I hope that helped you, Princess. Uh, so so the scripture actually says to desire spiritual gifts. But rather that you prophesy. Why well, prophesy to help the body? Uh, Wes, you had something you wanted to say? Yeah, just to go along uh, with what you're saying right now. Um, yeah, it's, it's to help the body. It's to build each other up in love, you know. Um, and that's what we're really, even just any anybody that's called is supposed to do that, is to help each other. And like what Paul says, I, th I think your main question is, do you know what you're gifting is? Um, there's a lot of abuse, I think, that has happened within the so-called Christendom, where people are taking these titles and running with them. Let's say they say, I'm an apostle, I'm a prophet, I'm an evangelist, so I'm evangelist so-and-so, I'm, I'm apostle so-and-so, I'm prophet so-and-so. And it's like they take these names as if like they're gloating in what God called them to be, as if they're elevated and they're putting themselves on this pedestal or soapbox and everybody else is not at that level that they're at you know so they've created this peck and order which is totally unbiblical 
And like what Don's saying, your gift should be for the body. It should be. So, and you see this within the letters. You see like Jew, a bond slave or a bond servant. Why is anybody taking that title? You know, or Paul, a, a bond servants, you know, Paul and Timothy bond servants, you know, and Paul obviously said that he was an apostle. But, you know, but at the same time, he wasn't calling himself, hey, I'm Apostle Paul, and you're going to call me Apostle Paul. How do I know that? Well, you see it in Peter's writing. He calls him Paul. He doesn't say Apostle Paul. He calls him Paul. And likewise, you know, uh, uh, Paul calls Peter Peter. He doesn't call him Apostle Peter. So this whole title thing is just really, I believe, is just insecurity. It's like somebody that has a small man syndrome that literally just can't take identity. Now, could somebody be called by a title? I, if they cannot be with that spirit, absolutely. Somebody could be called a pastor. I'm not saying that anybody can't take a title. I'm just saying there's been an abuse uh, really within the body of Christ with titles. Now, somebody you know is doing the doing the act of an apostle, and someone goes. Hey, this person's like an apostle or this or that. I just think the whole title thing has been taken to an extreme. And yes, God judges the heart. So really it gets back down to the heart uh, of the person that's, you know, if if they're feeding the body of Christ and they're being a shepherd, then they're shepherding the flock. And obviously these titles are in the scriptures in Ephesians chapter 4 for a reason, but it's just there's there's just an abuse of authority i guess is what i'm trying to get across and hopefully that kind of answers your question i think you'll know who you are in god but who you are in god is for the rest of the body like don's saying it's to serve everybody else and so it's not about you it's about everybody else in the body He's not, he's not saying it directly to you. He's just saying in general. You know, he's yes. not speaking directly to you, so don't right. take it personally. Oh, no, no, no. Okay. No, I'm not taking it Okay, good. No. It's just that I was saying that, um, you know, what God called me to be, I can't, I, it's nothing I can do about it. Well, no, you just stay within the confinement of the Word of God. That's what you do about it. Right. Remember, you have to weigh what you hear and see or you think you hear or see in the spirit by right. what the word of God says. Right. Like he said, if an angel mm-hmm. comes to you mm-hmm. and preaches any other gospel than yeah. that which I preach to you, yeah. don't listen to it. Right. It's gonna when God speaks to you, it's gonna be according to his word. Mm-hmm. He will not speak to you outside of his word. Right. If a, if if an angel is coming to you and saying, Listen, I want you to go preach to men and women and I want you to be a pastor of all these churches, don't listen to it. Why? Because it's against the word of God. It's just that, it's just that clear. Now, getting back to what Wes said, I think it's a good point. Um, he talks about he desires the office of an elder or deacon desires a good thing. Jesus said this. One time the disciples were arguing over who was the greatest, remember? And Jesus came back and he said, whoever is greatest among you, let him be your servant or your slave. And and, and adding to what Wes said, it's kind of like that false balance thing again. There's got to be a balance. And we have two sides there. One side is as a, whether you're in the office of of a pastor or evangelist, whatever you're into, what the Lord has called you to, 
you to do it as a servant, not as a position of thinking you're somebody above somebody else. And I'm not saying I'm just saying in general. We have too much of that, like you said, where where people are like like worship these these people that are in this these positions. Paul said this in Philippians three. He said this. He said, he said, um, he said, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He said concerning the law, I was a Pharisee. So I was blameless concerning the law. He said, if any man can boast on himself, I the more. He says, yet I have no confidence in myself in the flesh. All of my confidence is in the Lord. And I count everything that I've done and who I am is dumb mm-hmm. that I may win Christ. Mm-hmm. So it has to be about being a servant to help other people. Mm-hmm. It's not about being in a position of ownership of the people. Right. So from that pastor or that person that's ministering, it, it's got to be for my heart. My heart is, is I pray for every one of you every day. Mm-hmm. My heart is what can I do to help you to get closer to the Lord I'm accountable to share the Word of God. I, I must study the Word of God. I must pray and seek the Lord for you, to help you, and for myself. And so that that's that has to be my heart, and I know that according to the Scriptures. It's not about me being somebody, because I'm nothing. But I, all I want to do is I want to be able to help you. My focus is on you. And that should be all of our focuses on one another, preferring others above ourselves. Now, that being said, let's take it on the other side. Yes. On the other side, we have scriptures that also say, obey those who have the rule over you. Mm-hmm. So you, we do, we'd obey those. If there's, if there's a pastor or somebody that has, that's looking out for your soul, they, for they look for your soul. They, they're watching out for you. Mm-hmm. It, it talks about um, uh, those who preach the gospel ought to live by the gospel. They shouldn't have to, you should be giving and helping and, and, and be part of the ministry, not to be stingy. The Bible says that the, uh, that the, uh, uh, to tread not the oxen, uh, to, to feed the oxen, treads out the corn. In other words, don't just throw them a couple of pieces of corn. Help to, to, to minister, help the person. And I'm not talking about me, I, I, I don't care about it. But I'm just talking about the Word of God. You know, that you that you do these things. It says, receive not an accusation against an elder, except it be by two or three witnesses. So you just don't receive something that somebody's saying about a person that's, that is ministering just because one person came to you. Or, are you receiving these thoughts into some into your mind, thinking, "Well, he he's thinking this, or he's thinking that"? Reject those thoughts because you are not. Because if you don't, and you receive those accusations against him without two or three witnesses, you are getting in hot water with God. Listen, there's, the Bible says in Proverbs, there's six things the Lord hates. Yea, seven, seven in Proverbs chapter seven, and he names those things. And one thing that he says is above all of them, he says, is the accuser of the brethren. You're going to receive accusations against me. And against other brethren in this fellowship. Pay attention now to what I'm saying. Please get off your phones and listen. You're, you're going to receive accusations. You need to, to reject those things. You need to not believe that. Except it be by two or three witnesses. Because the enemy is going to come. There's an enemy. You have an adversary. He's going to try to separate you from the fellowship from here. He's going to try to send you far away. And he's going to put thoughts in your mind or things that may have happened in the past, whatever it might be, to try to sever the relationship that may, that, that's there to help you to grow in Christ. Amen. So you have, you have that balance there. The, the one that's ministering, he's not to think anything of himself. That's, my, that's, our, that's that part. But the other ones are to walk with them, not receive accusations, obey those that have the rule over you, support the ministry, all those other things that are all part of the functions of the church. Why is it some of you have to be gift of helps and 
so forth, and they have all these, these different gifts that are severally throughout the body. Because we are a family. The body of Christ is a family. We need each other. We must support one another, help one another, encourage one another, rebuke one another if, if, if need be, speak the truth in love. And sometimes those things will come across, and the enemy will try to offend you with that and put bitterness in your heart toward that other person. That's right. one, great, one way to notice you got bitterness is when you get around them, you don't feel like you really want to be around them. You feel a standoffish. you got to do away with that. you got to love one another, love the brethren fervently from the heart. And walk in that truth and righteousness in Jesus Christ. You? Can I just say, too, I think an important part, I, I know for me, and for me, you're my husband, so I pray for you. Thank God. I, <laughs> I, I got the best deal. <laughs> I, mean, I pray for you regardless, obviously, but also as a pastor and a leader. And I'll be honest with you, I've been praying for Wes, too, when I pray for you, because I know that he has a lot to do with your Skype ministry, this ministry, other things. So anyway, my, my point is that um, I feel like as a wife and as someone under your ministry that I'm to pray for you and I'm hoping that the rest of the body does and probably do because I look at it like, and I pray firmly, I say, Lord, don't let him be deceived. Because I see you study, I know you study, but I also know that there's other men out there who study the word and the enemy can get in. You know, whether it's doctrinal things or, or um, pride or So important with Jill to say that's really good because uh, I, I covet your prayers. I need your prayers. I, I want your prayers. And, and every single day, I mention every one of you to the Lord, you know, and, and pray for you because I want God's best for you in your life and, and to walk together as a body of Christ. So that's very important. Praise the Lord. Um, so um, it looks like we can get <laughs> into First Peter chapter one. Nor did we get to. Uh, the struggle versus the uh, suffering. Suffering, and I, let me just go over that real quick. I'm going to give you some real some things on that, Cedric, that you asked about. Uh, suffering in Christ uh, is when you suffer for Christ's sake. The Scripture says in First Peter chapter two. If you go there real quick, I'll give you a real quick couple of scriptures. First Peter chapter two. It, it says. Uh, Verse 19, it says, For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. Mm -hmm. For what glory is it if when you be buffeted or beaten for your, for your own faults, you take it patiently? But if when you do well and suffer for it, you, should, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. Yeah. So here it's talking about if you're suffering because you're doing something wrong, then you don't have anything to glory in. Like, oh man, I've been really... I've been really struggling because you having 
uh, something in you that you really want. Right. And God won't get, God's not giving to you because you're lusting on it, uh, whether it's a wife, whether it's a girlfriend, whether it's whatever it might be. Or you may be struggling with pornography, or struggling with something like that. You need to find what is the root of that problem that's causing you to struggle with that. Uh, that is not the suffering that God necessarily has you going through. You're going to be suffering for righteousness' sake, okay. but not that. But the struggle is because yes, you're right. trying, you're fighting between your life, holding on to your life, and having God's life. You're caught between. Mm. You need, need to make a decision to get away and to uh, get away from the temptation. Listen, the Bible. This is a detail. In First Corinthians ten thirteen says, "No temptation." has taken you with such as is common to man. Everybody has these temptations. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to suffer beyond what you're able, but will through the temptation take away the escape. So you person all they need to do is take the way of escape. Right. And and uh, you can overcome that temptation. Mm-hmm. You can overcome that temptation. You take the way of escape. But there is a suffering of going through in in uh, or struggling that a person can have in repentance because they haven't come let go of everything, uh, Cedric, where they they feel like they're struggling because they're they keep looking at pornography. You're not even in Christ yet mm-hmm. if you're doing that. That's not a struggle. I got in trouble one time because I said Jesus was my husband, which he is. He is, absolutely. <laughs> and I got in trouble. But, but what that. I'm saying is keep in mind <laughs> if, if a person is looking at pornography they can't say they, they're going through a struggle. They hadn't come to the Lord yet. Right. right. They, they, they hadn't stopped doing the sin yet. That's not a struggle. They're not even in Christ yet. Right. You say, uh, they say, well, the devil's just trying to get to you. No, the devil's already got you mm. if you're doing that. It's not that he's trying to get to you. He's got you already. Mm. You need to repent and come to, and come to Christ and turn from that sin mm. and, and uh and, and have that godly sorrow that brings you there because if you think, well, you know, isn't that kind of ridiculous? I'm, I'm struggling with committing adultery on my wife. I'm really struggling with that sin. No, you're not right with God. That's right. Your heart's not right. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to you need to really examine and find and find any so if you're giving advice to somebody and telling them, oh well, they, you're just really going through a struggle. Uh, you know, you keep following those drugs. No, you, 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 you haven't made the right choice. You haven't repented yet. Yeah, it makes it very clear. I know we only got maybe a couple minutes, got to close, but that first Peter chapter four, verse one, where it says those that have suffered have ceased from sin. Could you share a light on that real quick? Yeah, a couple of things. First of all, first first Peter chapter four uh, actually says um, here in verse 12, it says, beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. We are we we all go through trials, yes. the trial of your faith. But it's yes. not that you're sinning and coming out of sin. It's that you you you're going through trials of being tested. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you may get a bill in the mail. That's mm-hmm. you like. Oh, where did this come from? Right. You know how you reacted. Are you you moved by that? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you might have a physical physical affliction. How you moved by that? Those are some sufferings that you go through. And the trials that we go through. So he said, don't think it's strange. Because why? Psalms 34, 19 says that many are the afflictions of the righteous, yes. but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Oh, so that's yeah. the good part. Yeah. 
I was referring to where it says that those who have suffered have ceased. And so, that can you explain that? Yeah, two scriptures that go along with it. First of all, First Peter chapter, First uh, Peter chapter, uh, chapter four, and verse one says, "For as much then as Christ has suffered in the flesh, how did he suffer? He suffered, you know, dying. He suffered uh, persecution. He suffered uh, physically. I mean, he had so much suffering." Says, arm yourselves with the same mind as Christ. Have that same kind of thinking. Right. For he that has suffered in the flesh like Christ. has stopped sinning. Mm -hmm. That he no longer lives the rest of his life to the will of himself, but he lives to the will of God. So this man has stopped sinning. He has put it off. He suffered a little while. Like Christ. Repentance, and then he, he, he moves on from there. Mm -hmm. Also, the scripture says the same thing in, in 1 Peter chapter of. Uh, Chapter five, there in the same ch next chapter, he says the same kind of thing. Mm -hmm. he, he says, uh, verse eight, you all familiar with the scripture? Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, you have an enemy. Yes. Your adversary walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Mm -hmm. Resist him steadfast in the faith, right. knowing that the same afflictions are, are going on with you, with you, accomplishing your brethren in the world. Mm -hmm. But the God of all grace, who hath called us to eternal glory by Jesus Christ. After that you have suffered a while, what do you do? Make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle. Amen. Perfection. It just it just is, it describes that suffering. Because people may you say, well, yeah, I've suffered, but it's the, the context of that is from my understanding is suffered like Christ. You know, once you've suffered like Christ has, that's when you've ceased from sin. And I don't know what that was. Okay. But that's what I'm getting from that. Okay. Very good. Anybody else have a comment or something you want to say? Matthew 5.10 says that blessed are those who suffer for the righteousness and the righteousness. The righteousness of the kingdom of God. Yeah. Yeah, he says, uh, count it all joy when, when, when he says, to rejoice and be exceedingly glad when men speak all manner of evil of, of you and persecute you and all those things. Amen. Amen. Just, just wanted to say that um, what you said makes sense because I'm remi I'm reminded of the verse in Romans that says you have to offer yourself because when we're talking to the people that say should we sin more so we can have more grace and Paul was saying no they have to live in sin because we as believers are supposed to like you know we crucify our sinful desires and passions on the Christ and supposed to offer our body as tools of righteousness. So that's just, I'm just trying to say, yeah, that's what she's saying. That really came to my mind. So basically what she's saying is, uh, like, when you're crucifying, crucifying yourself, like the Bible says to, to crucify yourself and, and pick up your cross daily, she's basically shining light on that scripture, that it goes hand in hand. Uh, uh, princess, uh, actually, I, before you talk, I had this on my heart. Uh, if you want to look at it sometimes, it's Galatians chapter 5 and verse 24. It says, those that are Christ." have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lust thereof. Um, once you really go through that really place of repentance, uh, you go through that crucifixion of the flesh, uh, then you're no longer living after the flesh anymore. You have crucified it, and you're living for the will of God. You're not following the passions and desires of the flesh anymore. During repentance, it can be a struggle because your flesh is wanting to do what it used to do but you no longer go that direction. Now, repentance is not something that you want to 
put a, put on a long-term thing at all. You want to, uh, the Lord says that, uh, that today is the acceptable day. Now is the day of salvation. So you want to come to that full place as, uh, as quickly as possible because you don't have eternal life. You don't have salvation until the full repentance has come in. Uh, but uh, when it has, then, uh, then you will have, all, have, have crucified the flesh with the affections of us there.
Good to be with you guys tonight. What a blessing. Um, could I get um, Tookie? Would you mind? 
praying before we have this communion and we close out? Would you mind praying, Tiffany? Just got off not too, got long, off? Not too long ago. Oh, he got back on. He got back on, yeah. Come on, Dookie. All right. You want me to pray, brother? Please, would you tell yes, me? Sir. Thank you, brother. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, indeed. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this gathering, Lord. Yes. We thank you for only one truth, Lord. We thank you that you have spent time to bring us to the truth, Lord, and that we have bounded to your truth, Lord. And yes. we ask that you take our hearts and yes. mend them just the way you want it to be. Yes, and Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes. That you have done. Yes, all the goodness in our lives, Lord. Yes, You've all there never leave us nor forsake us, Lord. Yes, Thank Lord you, Jesus. In this name, for all that you are doing and all that you're going to do, Lord. Yes, we Lord. thank you in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus yes. Christ. Yes. Amen. 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 If you're on Skype or, or on